and welcome to Checked Out. We're broadcasting from Euclid Public Library in beautiful Euclid, Ohio. I'm Casey Armstrong, Director of the Library. Hi everyone, it's Mike at the Library again. I'm here with Dr. Marcus Germany. And we're here to once again talk about COVID and the vaccines and the boosters and Omicron and everything else going on with all that. Are patients still asking about the first two doses or are they asking about the boosters now? What's going on with, with uh, your patients? Um, they are asking mostly about the booster now, um, which we all um, recommend. All the providers recommend that everyone be boosted as soon as they are eligible to um, further protect yourselves and to enhance immunity to not only the, the, I guess, the original virus, but all the variants as well. So the um, if you haven't been vaccinated, the, the recommendations are still the same to get vaccinated as soon as possible. And for those who are vaccinated, there are um, guidelines from the CDC as to when you were able to get uh, boosted. And I am scheduled to be boosted on Thursday. Good. Uh, it was Good. Oh, man. Maybe three-ish weeks ago, I got mine a little bit later because the, the recommendations came out kind of after my eligibility. So I've been eligible for a booster based on current recommendations uh, for a while now, but I was boosted maybe three or four weeks ago. And Great. for me, at least, uh, like similar side effects uh, from the first uh, first two shots, little fatigue, little uh, arm pain at the of the injection, but um, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing I wouldn't expect. Yeah, that's what I've read, that if you had side effects the first time, it would probably be the same or similar side effects this time. And I was probably eligible even before you, based on age, just pushed it off. And then all the times I was looking at, I thought I had one scheduled for Thursday. And then when I got to the final point, it said Thursday, December 23rd. I was like, no, I want this Thursday. So find another place so I don't have to wait another extra week and a half. So yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to getting it out of the way. Definitely. So Dr. Germany, I was just so excited uh, to learn that our children are now eligible for the vaccination. So can you give us a little bit of guidance on who should be receiving the vaccination at this point in the game? So I'm pulling up the guidelines that I was uh, that I snipped earlier. So the there's only one approved for children five years and older. We've kind of had the um the step back approach where your uh, adults were first and then kids from the age of uh, 12 to 17 and then now kids five to 11 or five and older and everyone five and older can be vaccinated. So Pfizer is the only one approved so far as of the time of this uh, recording for uh, children, okay. but there are other options okay. that Moderna and Johnson and Johnson for adults aged uh, 18 and over. But yes, we do recommend everyone who is eligible, everyone over the age of uh, four, so five and older to be to be vaccinated and that one is using the Pfizer uh, series. So is there any preferred way to schedule a booster shot? Uh, <clears throat> any best practice for doing it? Um, I think if people find it convenient to go with how they schedule their first two shots or their first shot that they were Johnson & Johnson, um, uh, at local pharmacies have them, uh, lots of uh, clinics and doctor's offices and hospitals have them. Um, there are vaccine clinics all around the, uh, the area, but the CDC has a website that shows that you can type in your zip code and they can uh, give you all of the, the vaccine kind of um, sites 
in your area. So it's uh, vaccines.gov. You can um, search your zip code or you can text your zip code, it looks like, to 438829. And they will give you uh, some information to your uh, to your cell phone. And then you can also call their hotline to find um, vaccine locations. So there's there's a, a, a few ways to to find out where to get vaccinated, including the booster shots, um, using the information from the CDC website. So do we know how effective the booster shots and the vaccine in general are against the variants, specifically Omicron is the... <clears throat> I'm sorry, right? Omicron is the that's the one that seems most prevalent right now. Do we know how effective any of this is against that or possible other variants? Sure, sure. Omicron's awfully new. So the, the, the data in terms of vaccinations against that uh, particular strain is probably probably um in the infant stages at best. Uh, but we know from the other variants like Delta that the vaccines are very, very effective at preventing um hospitalizations. Um, um, significant disease, including death, and um, the rates of transmission as well. Uh, the vaccines um, do work, and they work well. It is. I, I do want to caution people that the vaccine was is not meant to, was never meant to prevent you from getting the infection again. Um, uh, just like the flu shot, the, the flu shot does not prevent any type of um, infection. No, no vaccine is one hundred percent efficacious, but it does prevent serious significant disease and hospitalizations at a, at a very uh, proven and unmistakable rate. So we, despite that, we, we still push um, folks to get the vaccine um, for the COVID and um, the flu as well. Well, Dr. Germany, I am proof of what you just said. I yeah. was vaccinated way back in April and I got COVID in October. So mm-hmm. I can't say hundred percent that, uh, you know, it was fairly mild for me. I was had a kind of nasty cough for a few days and was just really fatigued for maybe up to nine or 10 days beyond that. It didn't really affect me anymore. So I didn't go to the hospital or I didn't really have to go to a doctor. So I would say the vaccine probably prevented it from being worse. I can't say hundred percent, but uh, yeah, that's why I got it. So it wouldn't be as bad if I did get it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Dr. Germany, just for parents, um, our children recommended to get the two shots for the vaccination as well, because you said for five and um, I think you said five to 12, the, mm-hmm. the Pfizer vaccination is recommended. Do they need both doses? Order, yeah. um, I always forget what their um, recommendation is, but I do think it's it's um, the same for adults, same schedule for adults. for adults. They do use a smaller dose mm-hmm. for the children. Um, that, that's what the studies have been um, shown to, to be uh, safe for children. But yes, they follow the same schedule for adults. So um, for the Pfizer, I believe it's 28 days between doses. So what, what are the concerns that parents are, sh- are sharing with you about uh, the vaccination process? What can you, uh, what um, fears can you help to, to eliminate here today for parents? Um, I think for parents that the biggest thing is that COVID, we know what COVID does to children. It may not seem like they have a serious disease, but they there have been several, several reports of very, very significant disease, including death for children who contract COVID. Um, 
season, prolonged stays in the ICU, um, long, long standing effects following infection. Um, the entity called a multi-inflammatory uh, system disease for children, MISC. Um, we know what this does to the children and studies have shown that the vaccine is safe. Again, we use a um, age appropriate dose for the kids. And that just like for the uh, studies when they were studied in um, the vaccine when they were studied in adults, this vaccine works for our kids. It helps keep them out of the hospital. It helps keep them from having a severe um, disease course and helps uh, keep them alive and healthy. So I think parents should, um, should know and understand that this vaccine, just like for adults, is very beneficial for, uh, for our children. And it goes a long way for not only helping society to get rid of the, the um, pandemic, but to also keep the children as safe and as protected as they can actually be. So this before, is wait, wait, I'm sorry, before we leave that, do they get to use the little kid needle? You know, that is up to their vaccination <laughs> site. Um, I, I'm sure that anybody who has given a child shots has acquired some techniques and tricks up their sleeve. I, I being one of them, there's certain techniques and, and, and tricks and approaches that they use to give kids all their childhood shots. So I, I don't know what size needle they use, but I'm sure that it is similar to the ones that they get when they're um, infants and uh, babies and toddlers and up until school age. Okay. Just one more question about this. Um, do parents and guardians need to schedule their children's vaccination through their pediatrician or can they too go to like the uh, local pharmacy? I do think that they are able to go to the pharmacies. I, I think that um, scheduling the or at least speaking with the pharmacy that they're considering is a good idea before heading out to the pharmacy. Um, oftentimes that they're that they're uh pediatrician or their local clinic has the vaccine, or at least their institution has the vaccine. At Metro, we have several vaccine clinics and we have clinic uh, vaccines in stock in our clinics as well. So I think reaching out to your provider or at least contacting the pharmacy or, or um, vaccination site would be a, a good idea to see if they have the, the vaccine that uh, the kid can take. Well, when I get my booster, they can use a little needle if they want, but I usually just look the other way. And then it's over. <laughs> yeah. see how big the needle is to begin with. So, oh, and really, just, just to clarify, everyone, I did uh, misspeak with um, Pfizer, it's the 21 days apart, and then uh, Moderna is 28 days. So, I, I kind of transposed them. So, uh, the one that uh, children under or above five are eligible for it is a Pfizer. You need two shots, and those are 21 days apart. So, really, we've been uh, dealing with this for about two years now, because I think we were really knew about the cases kind of started in December. So I'm serious about anything until March of last year. So really it's mm -hmm. been, you know, say a year and a half, say two years uh, along that timeline. And now we're hearing mm -hmm. about the hospitals being filled again and elective surgeries being postponed and almost mm -hmm. at the same levels of cases and hospitalizations and deaths. Not quite, but. Mm -hmm. But what are you seeing as far as all that goes? You know, at least in the area, we're seeing um, elective surgeries, just as you said, elective procedures and, and, and things that require an elective overnight stay and the hospital being postponed. Um, the three big institutions in the area uh, put out a joint statement 
detailing what their institutions were doing to to um, combat and prepare for a surge in um, hospitalizations from uh, the pandemic and from COVID. And then um, that unfortunately meant that elective procedures and um, and other um, services that were required an overnight stay on a non-emergent or non-urgent basis would be uh, pushed back until further noticed. notice. And I think the latest CDC or whoever tracks it, um, numbers for people that are totally vaccinated with, uh, which means at least the first two vaccine doses is at 60%. Um, I don't know what the goals were originally. Good number, what's not gonna shoot for? Uh, so what I understand is that 60% of Americans are, so I don't know, is that number near the target number that people were shooting for originally? Is it near what we need to be? Yeah, I, you know, I don't recall the, the target that we're, that we're shooting for. I, I know that we're trying to get as many people vaccinated as possible. I think that uh, the herd immunity strategy has, um, it's becoming more and more difficult to, to get to the herd immunity uh, number is becoming more and more difficult to get to because of the variants and the, and the, uh, all the strains that, that are out there. Um, but this is a good time to remind people that the pandemic has been going on into its, let's see, its fourth year. Um, and I think we're all a little fatigued from the restrictions, the guidelines, the suggestions, the mask, the, the talk about COVID, COVID, COVID nonstop. So I think, again, just like uh, when the vaccine's first debuted, the vaccine offers, our, offers us the best chance to, to get back to life as we once knew it, going on three to four years uh, earlier. So we're, we're still <laughs> sounding our horns and, and blowing our trump, the vaccine trump, is that we need everyone to uh, get vaccinated, stay on the vaccine schedule, and then when it's time to get boosted, the so that we all have a, the best chance that we can have at getting our lives back and being able to enjoy things and not having to worry about things like elective procedures being canceled and, and hospitals being so full that if you have a non-COVID-related illness, that there will be room for you in our emergency departments and our inpatient units and, and just being feeling safe and um, you know able to, to go out into the community without fear of catch, uh, contracting the virus. Yes. Well, you know, I, Dr. Germany, so it's December. Christmas is right around the corner. People are celebrating mm-hmm. the holiday season. So you, mm-hmm. you mentioned the vaccine, of course, as one uh, prevention strategy. Are we still required to do the other social distancing? How should families, um, what should they do during the holiday season? You know, I, I, I think that... You can never be overly cautious for something like this for, for a global pandemic. Um, but I don't think we have to take as strict measures as we once did before the uh, before the vaccine was as widely available. Um, I'm sure the CDC and the, and the national powers that be will um, produce some guidelines as to how to go about handling um, holiday gatherings for vaccinated individuals, for unvaccinated individuals and for mixed crowds. So I think that um, the, the, the official guidance or the official policy is, is forthcoming if it's not already out because things change so, change so quickly. But I, I do think that the basics that we learned and that we all learned in school, washing our hands, covering our sneezes and coughs with an elbow, um, just being mindful of 
of the season. Because again, we're seeing not only just the, the virus going around, the COVID um, virus, other typical respiratory viruses as well, including the flu, starting to spread as well, uh, which often can mimic uh, COVID symptoms. So I think just just practicing good health health and hand hygiene are um, are, are paramount. But as far as quote unquote socially distancing or restricting our, our um, gatherings or, or mask wearing, I, I think that that is something that we should be more cautious, but not as as strict or as stringent. So one thing I've noticed at the library, we have these COVID home self-tests that you can pick up and take, and most libraries around have those until they run out five minutes later. And we've been doing this for a few months, so people are now asking for these way more often than they did when we first started, and even a year ago. Um, like I said, the numbers from last December, those numbers are similar to they were last year, but at the same time, it might a lot of it might be due to more people taking the tests, more people are asking about the tests, so more people are aware of it and maybe taking it more seriously now. Um, mm -hmm. So are you when you see the numbers as they are now compared to last year, what does that say to you? Um, it says that, the again, well, first and foremost, that the pandemic is not over um, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, we're still in the thick of it. It still has the propensity to get worse. Again, our, our healthcare systems and resources are limited as, as they are, but now we're at an extreme, um, extreme limitations and, and we're, we are, we are stretching ourselves far beyond our, um, our, uh, allotment, I guess. I just ran into one of our ICU specialists in the hallway at the hospital and she told me that they are being, uh, stretched that they've created an additional ICU team, um, had to create additional space and, and had to kind of um, kind of conjure up places where to put our uh, admissions because we're just running out of our usual um, space allotments. So we're, we're doing our best, but for everyone to understand that we are, um, we, we are limited in what we can, what we can accomplish. Dr. Germany, you were mentioning how, you know, we're into year three, four of this pandemic. And, you know, it's really taken a toll on the folks, especially mentally. And um, so what do you, what can you recommend to families, especially parents? And if they're seeing things, who should they call and to get help on that end of this pandemic? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I would reach out if you were concerned about, you know, coming into contact with Someone who has COVID, whether you're whether you're vaccinated or not, I think I would reach out to your um, healthcare institution, whether it be your doctor's office or your hospital. Um, uh, several institutions around the city have what we call COVID hotlines to call for questions, to call for you know, should I get tested? Is this COVID? What do you think about travel, et cetera, et cetera? So I think that having that information or that resource handy um, will go a long way, even over the holiday season, to, to be able to speak with a provider or a a healthcare professional about where um, where to see guidance and how to how to get tested if it's if it's warranted. And for the for the mental health piece of this, Dr. Jeremy, what's your recommendation for families who are seeing behaviors in children or teens that is out of the norm? Certainly, uh, th I think the, that the one of the aspects of the pandemic that's not often talked about is the the mental health component. That's um not. That sometimes it's overshadowed by the medical the medical piece, and I think that having uh, frank discussions with children and and teenagers and young adults 
is a great idea to just see what the child understands and what their fears, worries, and concerns are, because just just like uh, adults, they have the same emotions, which can be quite distressing. So having that frank uh, conversation with them um, and just, just helping them understand what everyone is doing to keep everyone safe and to keep this keep this as contained as we can. And then, you know, if you, as a parent or guardian, if you feel outside of your comfort area or you think that additional help is needed, to seek it, to, to have no shame or no, no harsh feelings about needing some added support from a mental health or behavioral health uh, specialist. So you just said that the we are still in the midst of the pandemic, and hopefully I'm saying this as you said it, that the vaccines and the boosters are still our best weapon against it. Where do you see things trending over the winter? Whew, that is a challenging question to answer. I, I, I think, think that having uh, having a realistic or I guess I guess another term would be a, a worst case scenario um, in your mind would be a good strategy to have. You know, what do we do in case this thing just gets out of control? You know, say say that the the pandemic gets worse, and then we're we're just in a in a very very terrible place. This is the worst that it's been for quite some time. We should understand what that could mean and what that could look like for the holidays going forward into the, the early of the um the early part of next year. But I personally think that we may see an uptick in cases, and again, the, the hospitalizations and the, and the number of deaths could go up. But that should not off put anyone from getting a vaccine and that should not be proof for anyone to say that, aha, I knew the vaccine didn't work. We're still having cases and and such and, and deaths. I, that I want to caution, caution people that, again, it is the winter season. Other um, respiratory viruses and other illnesses are going around, including the flu and other um, respiratory viruses. And that that should be um, proof to get vaccinated instead of um, proof away from vaccination, that we the vaccination will protect you against this virus. And then again, going back to our good um, health habits and hand hygiene, washing our hands, being mindful that if we're sick, staying away from other people, um, covering our coughs and sneezes, and just being very, very mindful and respectful of others who are elderly, immunocompromised, the children who are not yet old enough to get the vaccine. So that is a long way to say that I think that we are in for a uptick in cases and hospitalizations but we can manage as a society. Yeah. Dr. Germany, what what are, what are the rules for a teenager who may want to get vaccinated, but their parent um, disagrees with that choice? How how do families handle that conversation, or how does what help can a teenager seek? That I we we actually see this a lot with um other vaccinations that, uh, that one way or the other, the, the, the parent wants or the parent doesn't want it, and then the uh, mm-hmm. teenage patient feels a certain way about it. I think that is best handled with your pediatrician, someone okay. who knows you, your uh, your child and your family, to best counsel you on how to proceed. And I always tell my patients that I don't necessarily need an answer or you know a, a definite decision today, but sooner rather than later. The sooner we can come to a conclusion, and hopefully that involves vaccination, the better. So I, I never pressure anyone to give a, to give an answer or a a choice during that visit if there is some uncertainty. Okay, so so the parent and the team should have a good conversation with the pediatrician 
and the three of them together uh, mm-hmm. can make that final decision. <laughs> and I know it's, I know it's, not, it, it reminds me of the um, Gardasil, not, I think that was it. The, what's the, what's the shot that came out a few years ago for young people to guard against shot? cervical cancer? Yeah, the HPV or human papillomavirus. Yeah, <laughs> that was a tricky one too. Navigating conversations about that one too. So, so when I scheduled my booster, they asked if you want to do the flu shot at the same time. So, uh-huh. something that uh, you recommend people should do that as well. Get the flu shot if yes. you haven't already. Yes, 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 yes. And the and the CDC and other um um. Entities do agree that it, there is no harm in getting both vaccinations at the same time. So do you think that this will become like an annual flu shot for us? I mean, should we expect? I mean, the recommendation is that we get the booster, which I am going to be getting mine. I just finished my six months. I'm be scheduling mine. Do you think this is going to become something normal that we just do like the flu shot? That is hard to say, I think, at this point. Okay. Um, Everything is just still so new. Every you know, days and weeks, we get new information, new new guidance, new recommendations. That while I can't say it's completely out of the question, I I I, I can't guess. I okay. I, I just okay. cannot guess as to where we're going from here. This might be another hard question to answer, but uh, like you said, we've been in this for about three to four years now. Where are we in terms of knowing enough about? The COVID-19, are we, do we know most of what we should know? Do we know less than we're going to find out? Where are we as far as what we know about this, really? I think we're still in the early stages. Um, again, a lot of what we see are the kind of the acute or the short-term effects. And we have quite a lot, unfortunately, quite a large bit of um, people who have had the virus and who are in various stages of recovery to see what the long-term effects are. So it'll be very interesting going forward um, months to years to even decades down the line to see how the virus has impacted um, impacted people of all kind of um, demographics, those who are vaccinated, those who are unvaccinated, those who have um, comorbidities and other health conditions to see what this virus actually does in the long-term. But a lot of what we know now is kind of in the early stages. And we're, again, we're learning new things about it day by day, by day, by week, by month. So we'll we will certainly see how this uh, impacts all going forward. So Dr. Germany, you said um, if anyone, people should check the CDC's website for guidance as far as large gatherings, um, what we should do over the holidays. That's the best place to go for information. Okay, because I know it seems to change constantly as as we check day by day for folks using the library. Um, I'm like, every day is a new day <laughs> and a new mm-hmm. answer. Not a product of us not knowing, mm-hmm. you know, medical mm-hmm. things. It's just, you know, we have new evidence, we have new data, we have new information. So we need to um, kind of stay on top of things and make uh, recommendations um, accordingly. And one thing I read is that, and I probably like most diseases, that really affects the older population more. Uh, one in a hundred, I'm not sure if it's one in a hundred Americans, one in a hundred people worldwide have died of COVID. Um, I saw that stat come across on the More than like 75% of the deaths are from people 65 and older. 
So, I mean, that's a considerable amount. So I guess that's one thing we know about it, that it really does affect older people more so than under 65. I know we're uh, getting ready to come to the end of the chat, but Dr. Germany, can you just tell us a little bit about the new variant? The, is it is pronounced Omicron? Omicron, yeah. Yeah, okay. Again, the, the course of a, of a virus or any, any widespread disease is that much like us, the virus wants to stay active and, and virulent and infect as many as it can. So it uh, devises strategies to do such things, uh, to, to morph, to, to become different strains of itself. And, and as time goes on, that strain becomes, you know, the original strain became the Delta strain. That strain became Omicron strain. And then there are other strains that we are, um, we're not named or we're, we're named, but we don't really hear much about. Um, as far as the uh, Omicron variant, again, very new. So the data is is just not there at, yet, but the early studies show that the vaccines are effective against this uh, variant as well, much like it is against the Delta variant. So I would I would say that not to be surprised if you hear another Greek letter come about in terms of a new variant, but that should, again, that should still not not dissuade you from getting the vaccine because from all indications, the vaccine um, protects against every uh, known strain. So is that normal? I'm, I'm trying to remember my, my science, Dr. Germany, way back in the day. Is, is that the normal progression for a virus? Like it's, it's always seeking to, to develop new strains or is that, is this abnormal? Oh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a strategy. Just um, mm -hmm. if you consider, you know, the, the, process of evolution, you know, way back when our ancestors or quote unquote cavemen um, didn't have as sophisticated of, a, of an anatomy as we do or, or uh, the, the ability to adapt to different, um, I guess, uh, environmental conditions. So the virus is kind of doing that right before our eyes. It's, it's, a, it's a similar concept where the virus adapts and it wants to, again, infect and, and become, it wants its spotlight, right? It wants to, it wants to stay relevant. It wants to be who it is and wants to survive. Okay. And so it does that by trying to invade, evade our natural defenses and, and, and evade our um, our uh, protections that we have just as uh, with our own immunity. Okay. Um, I guess a, a good analogy would be uh, bacteria and antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, when antibiotics first came out, they were very, very effective at the at getting rid of bacterial infections. But over time, the bacteria kind of, kind of morph and change to trying to resist the, the action of the antibiotics so that we had to create more and different antibiotics to combat the newer bugs, if that makes any sense. Well, my sister wanted to say, she, she's been watching us on Facebook. She said, please tell Dr. Germany that he is so reassuring and comforting and she appreciates your advice. <laughs> well, certainly, certainly tell her she's welcome. Um, hang in there. I know it's, it's not an easy time for her or for anyone, but uh, do hang in there. And we are doing our best to get through this from uh, every walk of life, I think. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much, Dr. Jeremy. I do have one more question. And you probably don't have a lot of time uh, with all your work and your studying and taking the board tests and all this to, uh, to maybe even have one, but who is your all-time favorite television doctor? Oh boy, my all-time, That is a, 
quite a quite an interesting uh, question. So I will tell you. I don't know if you've ever seen this show. It's a newer show. It's called The Resident. And I didn't uh, watch too much during residency because I I just couldn't uh, I couldn't watch myself on TV and then go to work today and watch myself in real life. So I think that the lead character, um, Doctor, uh, was it Conrad something? I can't remember what his last name is, but it's, he's he's a pretty um he's a pretty cerebral doctor. And I, I just like to watch his dramatization of what it's like to be a resident in a hospital. So I think he's uh he's very um cool. He's very cool. You can be counted on him, and he's very um very skillful at uh, his craft of medicine. So I think that's my favorite uh, TV doctor. I think I've seen some of that show. Is that uh, Matthew Churchy or I think that's his name? Plays he was in the Good I Life. think so. That rings a bill. That yeah, rings I a bill. like that guy to begin with. So yeah, he's yeah. pretty cocky. He does what he wants, uh, gets in trouble, but he's always almost always right. So <laughs> with, with very little repercussions, you know. Yeah. Any, anyone with a natural license would never never ever dream of doing some of the stuff. Oh, so of course not. It's really fun to watch him be so cavalier. Yeah. I think my favorites are JD and Turk from Scrubs. My <laughs> one and one A. <laughs> well, Dr. Germany, we certainly appreciate all your information today. And again, remind everyone to please reach out to your healthcare provider. Um, check the CDC website for additional information. The answers are there. <laughs> I might have to uh, just take a little mm -hmm. bit of research, but the answers are there. And the support yeah. and the guidance is there from your uh, private healthcare practitioners. So thank you, Dr. Germany. Congratulations again for passing the boards. Good luck on your upcoming studies. <laughs> and if you happen to be at Metro Health and see Dr. Germany, say hello. <laughs> thank you very much, Dr. Germany. And thanks to everybody that tuned in. Certainly. Thank you. Take care. Everyone be well. And now the news. And now it's time for library news you cannot use. Casey, have you ever ordered food delivery through a service such as Grubhub? We're not about to give anyone any wacky ideas like they just did at The Ohio State University. At the beginning of this school year, the school partnered with robot maker Yandex and Grubhub to offer a food delivery service to students that includes drop-offs at OSU's main library. The company recently instituted the service at the University of Arizona after making a thousand deliveries per week at Ohio State. While we allow patrons to bring small snack type foods into Yuka Public Library, there are no robots to deliver them, maybe in the future. Well, Mike, we've all heard of materials being returned late to libraries, even years late. The University Heights branch of the Cleveland Heights library system recently made the news when a Bob Dylan album came back after 48 years away. But how about something that stayed at someone's home for more than twice as long? A book was recently returned to the Boise Public Library more than 111 years after it was checked out. The New Chronicles of Rebecca, a sequel to Rebecca of Sunnybrook Arms, was turned back in in perfect condition. The library had no record of the book ever being checked out. Had BPL issued a fine, it would have been $1.50. Fines at that time were two cents per day and capped at $1.50. That was back when a buck and a half meant something. We haven't even been around 111 years at EPL, but we still want you to bring back your library materials, even if it's been a few years. 
And finally, did you know that the world's biggest library in terms of items housed is the Library of Congress, which has 168 million items? You might have been able to guess correctly on that one. But what about the largest single-story library in the country? It's in McAllen, Texas, which is on the border across from Mexico and near the Gulf of Mexico. It's in a former Walmart and opened 10 years ago this month in December 2011. It is 125,000 square feet, which is the size of two and a half football fields. Apparently, it doesn't look much like a Walmart anymore, as in 2013, the interior design won the highest honor awarded by the American Institute of Architects. I always compare our library size to that of a football field, which is pretty dead on since both EPL and a football field are 48,000 square feet. So imagine the McAllen Public Library as twice as big as EPL. I don't think there's enough room on our site to fit it. And that's the news you cannot use. Thanks for listening to Checked Out. We hope you will tune in next time when we talk about upcoming books in 2022. You can learn more by picking up a copy of Library Lines at the library or going to our website, youcouldlibrary.org.